No Driving Gloves were a combination of gearheads. John, the instigator. Derek, the conservator. Will, the builder. Sean, the racer. And maybe a guest. Invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Learn more and subscribe to the podcast at No Driving Gloves. Time now for the ride. It's kind of funny it that... It worked. I can't remember to do that every time. I pushed go live this time. It didn't go live, so... Another PEPCAC error because I'm sure it wasn't the um, software. Has to be the operator. Always the operator. Always it's the operator. Always the operator. Always. We actually had a great intro the first go around, and and here we are having to do it over yet again. But I think we're doing it. Derek's lying. We haven't had a good intro for a while. Ah, uh, no, not for like four years. Man, we got a lot of viewers right off the bat, though. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I need to, I need we to got, switch over to the comments. Sorry, I've, we we got. I always leave it on private chat. My bad. I, I never use the private chat. But Mine like automatically comes up on the private chat. I always have to switch it to the uh, um, comments section. So you really shouldn't be doing that, Jason. That's not. Unless of course you're in like one of those. Trucks. No, 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 no. Wait, remember, remember, Jason doesn't have a car, so Dana's probably driving. So he's just actually just sitting in the passenger seat. Oh. I was thinking if he was doing it like the strip in Vegas, where they've got those trucks with the big billboard on the back, and if he was watching and no driving gloves on that big billboard. Oh, we should get one of those big digital billboards, and every Wednesday when we go live, it can just show on the strip. Well, That'd we could probably sweet. do the outdoor advertising thing, and I think we could probably Heck get a, yeah. get no driving gloves to pop up at three in the morning on six billboards for a hundred bucks. Yeah, and then if Will keeps broadcasting from Hooters all over the country, I think we've got it made. Yeah, maybe. Oh, if we ever get Will back on the show, I mean. All the guy does is travel, travel, travel. I thought he said last week he was mm-hmm. done traveling for a while. and That's what I remember him saying is, I'm done traveling. I'm going to be on well, the podcast did, for a while. We're going to be good. He was traveling. He said he was at a show, so maybe he's at a show. <laughs> that's true. He didn't say car show. Uh, maybe, maybe he's at one, one of those Las Vegas shows. I was thinking maybe it's one of those Hooter shows. And gets to watch the chicken wings be made. Mm, chicken wings. So. So you, you, you got a long list of weird things behind you there, John, on the. Oh, uh, yeah. The these are today. all things that I'm sure can happen. You can win an argument with a foolish person. You can tickle yourself. Have you ever tried that to tickle yourself? Hi, Dana. This is, this is, well, I guess we did determine this is no driving gloves after hours anymore. So, <laughs> uh, I know my mic's in the way, but we've got a uh, photograph in invisible objects. Now, that one I think might actually be doable because I'm not saying everything on this list is completely impossible. There was a song back when I was in grade school, it was about Thomas Edison, and it was nothing's impossible if you try. And if you try, and how do you know? I mean, I just recently got this, you know, Klingon bird of prey tattoo here. Check that out. I got it in cloaked mode. So, yeah, you know. Idea. Hmm. So I, I, I'm down with it. It's going to go with the new Harley. 
Hmm. Uh, and, and, and I got that while I was licking my elbow. I'm pretty sure if you were really, really tempted, you could probably somewhere on the internet find a video of someone licking their own elbow. Well, we don't I need to go down that path, but I'm yes. betting you. I didn't specify on that last one, uh, kiss your own cheeks. Um, nah, isn't there that old saying? <laughs> Put your head between your legs yeah, and kiss your yeah. ass goodbye. And I'm sure mm-hmm. if you look for the right thing on the right website, you could probably see that. We're just not specifying which cheeks. We'll go with facial cheeks. And mm-hmm. this other one that, you know, came out, made a lot of news this week. But well, well, what about dividing 100 into three equal parts? I mean, that's easy. It's 33.33333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333
and say, I was coming back from Mississippi today. So I'm on a lot of four-lane highways, not interstate, but four-lane, you know, divided highways. And so there's people turning off the road and that. As the people start slowing down, and, you know, we've got the cruise control set at 69 miles an hour because I get paid by the hour. So <laughs> it, um, the guy in front of you starts to slow down, so the car starts to slow down and starts to slow down. Do the brake lights come on when it does that? Uh, no, I don't believe it does, John. Because all it does is if it, it you're talking about the radar controlled cruise. Yeah. No, all it's doing is adjusting the throttle placement. It's not actually applying the brakes. It's simply backing off the throttle to slow the car down. So I, I, as far I, as I, I know about the that, because do, quickly as this thing do slowed down on a couple of things, um, but I'm going, you know, it, and I mean, it'll drastically within a very, very short distance go from 70 to 40. And it made me wonder, what about the poor guy behind me who doesn't realize I'm going from 70 to 40? Because the car in front of me has got brake lights telling me he's going 70 to 40. Well, it, maybe in that case, maybe it does apply. I guess it depends on, it, maybe it depends on the severity of the deceleration. Maybe it's a you know situation where if it knows that it's it has to decelerate faster, a lot of cars do have active you know braking when they sense things. Right. So it could be. I, I thought you were talking about just when it was kicking down like three to five mile an hour because no. my wife's Acadia has the rate. I I turn it off whenever I drive it, um, but. You know, because I hate it because you'll be going and, you you know, if you stop paying attention to your speed and you're just paying attention to traffic, all of a sudden you're get up behind somebody. And instead of having your cruise going 79, all of a sudden you're going 74 or 70 and you haven't really you lost. You know, you, you're not paying attention to it. And all of a sudden your trip becomes much longer because you're slowing down to stupidly, ridiculously slow speeds. Oh, I used to know the computation too, that um, how much time five miles an hour would affect. And it's really not that great. <laughs> it's but not. That's just the annoying me. thing. You just hate looking down and go, geez, I had this thing set at 69. Now I'm going 54. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like I say, I get paid by the hour. Yeah. We're not all that lucky, John. When we're on trips, we're not all getting paid by the hour. Yeah. Oh, so I had that one going on. Um, I was really hoping I had to ask Derek because I really hadn't looked or put two and two together. I was really, really busy last Friday and I was thinking, Oh man, the, the uh, prediction for, and I can't remember the author's name, you know, I could probably look that up. Um, if I could spell and type, I hate typing on this. Oh. Mm, George Orwell. What do we, T.S. Eliot. I mean, what are we what are we talking about here, John? Oh, there we go. Uh, in, in the book, all Corvettes are red. Uh, it was written in the mid nineties, maybe. Um, 
Oh, yeah, I guess it came out in 97. It's by James uh, Sheftoner. Something like that. I can't. In that, there was conversation and talk of Corvette going to its uh, own platform, leaving Chevrolet, and it would be the Corvette, kind of like the Porsche 911 would be. And you'd have all these variants of the Corvette. And I saw Corvette Blogger had posted that, and I didn't put two and two together. That was the first. And Derek told me, oh, no, it was a joke. And I'm April 1st, people. It's called April Fool's Day. But wouldn't that be the day that you'd make that release? Because not some people are going to go, oh, it's an April Fool's joke. And some are going to go, wait a second. Is that serious? And they really don't figure it out for like, nine or 10 days and go, wait a second. They were serious. <laughs> well, the, the one that, you know, I think the one that grabbed more traction in that light, um, was the, the one that came out that they were going to kill the, uh, Z06, the new, you know, mid engine Z06, because of course the federal standards that were announced, which are on your wonderful backdrop tonight, John, uh, you know, kind of coincided right around April Fool's Day. I think they came out a couple days before April 1st. And uh, so a very well-written spoof article about GM killing the Z06 uh, tied in very well to the new announcement from the feds on miles per gallon uh, across the fleet and uh, by 2026. um, Had quite a few people... Of course, I'd yawn right in the middle of that. Had a, a quite a few people uh, believing that story, even though it was an April Fool April Fool's joke. I think I think at least one of our listeners bought into it for a little while. I'm not pointing out anybody or anybody's names. Oh, it's amazing. We we've got five or six Corvette fans as listeners, but our most probably our most prolific listener and commenter. How's that? You know, out of that list behind me. 40 MPG by 2026. And when you started to read further what happened, you're really going, what the, what are the, you know, why didn't they just make it 68 miles again? I mean, it, that's, I think the as a standard, it's like 8%, 8%, 8% greater in 2024, 8% greater in 2025, and 10% greater in 2026. And there were supposedly some rollouts or, oh, it was a change in the fines. If you don't meet your this average fuel economy standard, they had never updated it. It used to be five $5.50 per tenth of a mile a gallon below the average. So let's say it was um, 40 miles a gallon for the the federal average, and your fleet averaged 39. You paid $55 per car you sold in penalties. Or they say the manufacturer did. Who do you think paid that 50, would pay that $55? Ooh, 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 pick me, John. Pick me. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Is it the consumer? I believe it might be because I don't think that, you know, the manufacturer is going to go, hmm, 
yeah, we'll just go ahead and eat that one. We build a million cars a year, so it's you know, $55 million in fines. We're just going to eat that. Our stockholders will be good with it. Yeah, I'm sure. And if it's typical, um, do I have a calculator in front of me? I should. I've got five computers. And you probably have a cell phone, too. And that's actually the one I'm using right now. Look at that. Um, no, I mean, don't, you know, as John's doing this calculation, I mean, I think with the thing that we have to remember is this is across the fleet. So this is 40 miles per gallon averaged out across the fleet. So if you've got hybrid vehicles that are getting a hundred miles to the gallon and you've got something like a Corvette Z06, that's not getting 40 miles to the gallon. It's getting under that, you know, this is an average across the fleet. Let's, let's not leave that out. It's not every single car in the fleet has to hit 40 miles per gallon. But the penalty goes against every car, if it did. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you so, don't meet that, it goes against every car. And I was thinking, you know, I bet the manufacturers don't pass that on as $55. I just went with standard retail markup of uh, 40%. That means they're probably bumping the price of your car $91.67. You know, that's standard retail markup. So they're making an extra 40 bucks off of you, too, because the government penalized them. Do you know what the new fine's going to be? Because the old one had never been adjusted for inflation. I, I'm I'm bad. I didn't do my research for tonight. I didn't see it, John. What is it? Fifteen mile or fifteen dollars per tenth of a gallon. So if you're one mile a gallon below, hundred and fifty dollars in fines against you. And if we do that with the standard retail markup. That's now bumping the cost of your car $250. So you know, roughly half your monthly car payment, you know, depending on the car, et cetera. But, you know, the average car. Uh, so, okay, now your cars went up $250. Hey, you're saving gas. You're saving the environment. Now, of course, the manufacturers can also buy credits um, for manufacturers that are getting above, you know, 40, say, um, the Dale, we'll use the old Dale car, say it's getting 48 miles a gallon. They kind of have, they get some pollution credits there that they can sell to another manufacturer. It brings their, their average down, but they'll still stay above 40, but they can sell those eight miles a gallon. This is putting it very simply to another manufacturer to help bring their average up. It, it's like, it's a shell game. They're, you know, moving things around and it's not like they can just wake up in the morning and go, okay, you know, if the manufacturers can get you to 40, I guarantee you they get you to 40. Um, it's a, it's a selling point. I mean, that was a big deal for Honda back in 80, 88, 89 with the CRXs the HF, would get an honest 42 miles per gallon. And most people were getting above 50 with those things. They had the performance of a dead roach, but I just, you know, like I said, there's things that are um, kind of impossible to do. 
and I don't well, care if you well, do. Well, 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 well. Huh? I said, well, 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 well. Um, you know, you, 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 let's go back to because you talked about it being a, a shell. Sorry, I'm I'm holding my mic tonight so that John doesn't yell at me for being too quiet. So, um, if you go back, you're you know, you're talking about it being a shell game where one manufacturer, if they're over it, can sell their you know mile whatever over to another one to help them. Blah blah blah. And so they're just moving things around and, and all that. And then you say, you know, if they could get you there, they would. But let's look back over time at the development of technology. Do you really think big business like the auto industry in the United States, if they were not pushed by federal standards or something that was going to hold them accountable as, you know, in, in their business, do you really think they would ever bother improving things like gas mileage in a car? Prior to 1972, no. After 1972, yes. Gas mileage became important in the first, you know, fuel crisis. Gas mileage was kind of important in World War II, but not so much. And, man, you, you know, that's why, you know, I can't. I don't know when the cafe standards took effect. Do you know offhand, Derek? Nineteen seventy. I want to say seventy six, seventy four, or seventy six. Those two years are sticking out in my head. But okay, yeah. Even though the gas seventy five. My, I was. I jumped both sides of it. Nice. Um, even though the gas, you know, miles per gallon became important then. Okay, this was at a time when we were getting nine, twelve miles to the gallon in a, a V8 American automobile. Had yeah. we not had the gas crisis, gas shortage, the OPEC. Um, crisis, all those things, and we didn't have any federal standards put in place, where would we be today? Honest, Honestly, where do we think we would be today? Probably maybe the same place. I mean, people go out and still buy Vipers, SRT10 trucks. Um, what's the new, what's the new one? The, the, the Ram TRX, that mm-hmm. gets like seven. So people are still... People who want the performance want it. But like I said, things changed in 72. CAFE didn't come into effect till 75. But the I think the manufacturers started to react. You know, oh, we need to be a little bit more fuel efficient. And you're thinking American. What were the Japanese doing? They were already building smaller, more fuel efficient mm-hmm. vehicles. Not because they were required to but because that's what they knew people were going to, people wanted. So, no, I'll agree with you that the uh, free market society without laws wouldn't have necessarily had the strides and advancement advances they have in the last 50 years, but they would have had some and it would have improved. And now gas mileage after the the 
you know, rise in prices and inflation of the early 70s, of the mid, the late 70s, into the 80s, the early 2000s or whatever. Then go 08 to 10, I think gas was four bucks a gallon, and then it was four bucks a gallon again. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think it even got up to four bucks a gallon and then like 16 or 17 early on in the last guy's leadership mm-hmm. or when the last guy was in office. When I don't want to create argument there. So I think that's what, you know, consumers, consumers want. Now, of course, one of the big reasons they did this change is when – what year was it? 2015, I think it was. The buying habits of the American public were 51% cars, 49% SUVs. Mm-hmm. Guess what the ratio is now? I, I read this somewhere not that long ago, and I, it, it has flipped, as I recall, and we're back to where trucks and SUVs are topping out, but I don't remember the number. Is that still holding true? 77% of all new car sales are SUVs. Yeah. Or, or CUVs or some sort of truck type thing. Now, keep in mind, even the car-based um, um, it, it, I'm trying to think, is it HRX or whatever the Honda, the, you know, even the car-based ones are counted in that number now. Crossovers, yeah. Well, well, yeah, the, the ones that are basically built on a car chassis just lifted up a little bit. Those are still, now those are now being counted as SUVs and trucks and, and that. And then, of course, Ford doesn't build cars anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, you know, General Motors has just about eliminated all of the cars in their lineup. Um. Dodge is eliminated. Well, I think they only sell what one Dodge anymore or two. The Atlantis. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, it's it's not necessarily Americans want to buy. Seventy seven percent of Americans want to buy SUVs. It's they don't have a choice. Well, but they don't have a choice because that's what the market showed. That's why Ford got rid of all the – I mean, Ford was not selling cars. They were sitting on the dealership lots, and they were not profiting on them. So what do you do? I mean, if you have a – if you're running any business, if you're running a, a computer business, John, and you're not selling one of the products in the lineup, what do you do? You obviously get rid of it. You change, you change it in some some sort of way. Yeah, but, they changed it into more trucks. No, they changed they went, it into a lifted car. It's still a car. It's a car-based. It's a unibody. A unibody is a car still. And a truck is t- a body talking, on frame. You're talking about the Maverick? Yeah. 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 Uh, and, yeah. and that yeah. was one of the, the uh, articles I read that, the you know, the Maverick and the um, – uh, what was it? The EcoSport, which has now been killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of th- those were built 
know to fill in and the maverick a lot of the maverick sales are going to people that wanted an entry level vehicle it's you know a, a base maverick's twenty one thousand dollars there's not speaking a lot of cars of what, out there for twenty one thousand dollars speaking of which i i, I there i've seen like three or four of them running around the franklin bowling green area um, just all of a sudden they evidently showed up at, at the they finally got delivered and they are running around like crazy they have their productions completely sold out uh 2022 orders ceased a long time ago and they didn't weren't even able to build all the 2022s i've got a friend who has one on order and he was supposed to get a 2022 now they're telling him it's probably not going to get built till november and it's a 2023 mm-hmm. but they're holding the pricing you know whatever mm-hmm. you know so he's still going to get it at the 2022 prices. But he also went out and bought one. He ended up, he went out, paid 2500 over sticker because he ne- he needed something like that. He, uh, um, you know, he's got a small car that he can drive, but he needed something kind of a, more as a daily driver. And he wanted the Maverick and his Maverick was supposed to be delivered in February. And that's how we kind of built his finances around. So he ended up going out and buying one and paying a little bit over sticker, which a whole nother thing that came out that you know ford is supposedly really taking names and supposedly those dealers are going to pay how we don't know and you know it's well i mean we we know we had that conversation a few episodes ago about free market society and that yeah i mean on the gm side gm side of things they're going to take allotments away you know i mean they're just going to flat out take it away but i I gotta break from this conversation for just a minute because i gotta say something to phil uh phil i need to talk to you about rotary engines so let's get together uh email me or something after uh sometime uh anyway all right back to the show and i hope everything's going well for you phil yes phil i uh, we hope we hope the best so um so i just don't know i i don't find what they're doing reasonable i when I was talking about the dollars and the fines, they actually, they're going back to 2019 and they're going to penalize manufacturers back to 2019. So three year, three model years of cars, almost four model years of cars that, you know, this was in lawsuits and things. So they were aware they may or may not, but, is that I think that's the quote that's on the left there is uh you know do or do not you know there is no try it's kind of you either do the fuel economy or you don't and you make the you know you that's the way it, it you you made your bed you better lie in it that's the way the cookie crumbles yeah that's what she said yeah. as as Toby pointed out uh, you know Mr. Ford I wish you did not stop making the big Lincolns Edsel Ford. I did not stop making them. People stopped buying them. <laughs> and that is the truth. You don't stop making them. People just stop buying them. Hey, I'm going to throw one out at you. And uh, what podcast? I can't remember what podcast. I'm going to have to start writing this down because I'm going to have to start citing these podcasts. It's because you're getting old, John. And we're talking about... It, it was Ferris podcast, uh, the smoking tire. 
and he had somebody on there. Uh, oh, he was talking. Who's our great guy on Leno, Auburn Car Museum? Donald Osborne. Donald Osborne. He had Donald Osborne on, and they were talking Cadillacs. And this popped into my head because of the Lincoln comment. Um, they were saying that, you know, the 59 Eldorado with its huge, massive fins, and, it, you know, it was that, that was, you know, everybody wanted that, and it was great. But they stopped making them after one year because they were dangerous. And they went ahead and Farah told the story that supposedly some girl was running to like playing Frisbee, a 12-year-old or 15-year-old, and ran into one of the, the points on one of those fins and it, you know, impaled her, collapsed a lung. And, it, you know, unfortunately, she passed away. Is that a true story that anybody knows? I have never heard that story. And even if it is true, I would have a very hard time believing that the because the girl died, that would be the reason they stopped making them. Um, if well, you supposedly look across... It wasn't just her, uh, Lots of people were dying that way, at least according to Farah. <laughs> I, I can't believe. Number one, it wouldn't have impaled because if you've ever gotten closer, all of the corners are rounded. They're not sharp points. It, you can't flat out. They, they didn't do sharp, impalable points on the trim work and all of that. Every Everything like that is always slightly rounded. I can imagine it breaking a rib if you hit it wrong and that rib puncture, puncturing your lung. Um, yeah, that's you know, kind of what I was thinking is, yeah, it could have. If it was a true story, Ralph Nader would have taken care <laughs> Very true. Um, but, it, I mean, it's it, it look across styling at every in in every automaker of the late 50s and early 60s unless they all got sued for something like that, it was just the trend of the jet age styling because by, by 59 moving into 60 into 61, every single styling studio across the automotive industry was laying the fins down more on their side and appearing more wing like than fin like it, it was, it was styling cues. It wasn't, it, it I have never heard that story. I've read a lot. I've I've dug a lot in automotive history. I personally have never heard that. I could be wrong, but I have never heard that in the discussion of the change of the fin design during that period. It all was about jet age and wing-like and where they were going with that. I mean, you know, you can go back and talk about the hand cranking incident that, you know, killed um uh, I'm going to blank on his name right now because I didn't think we'd be talking about it tonight. Um, but the uh, the gentleman that was, um, you know, killed on um, gross eel um, trying to hand crank a, an automobile for someone, which led to the development of the electric self-starter by Kettering. Um, that's a true story. Well documented. Yeah, we know that happened. Um, and I've never heard the story of someone being 
so seriously injured on one of those fins that it, it caused anything. I mean, that's. Have you, because Jason reminded me that it came up in a conversation because Donald and Matt were discussing unsafe at any speed, Ralph Nader's book and how, you know, we've talked a couple of episodes ago that car styling right now is affected by a lot of government regulations. And that's why we don't build these, you know, gorgeous art deco ish cars anymore. Cause there's, you know, minimum headlight standards and headlight heights and pedestrians collision things and five mile an hour bumpers and side impact. And, you know, I really hate cars nowadays. You know, back in, back in my day, you could put your arm kind of out a window and it was the, the window sill or the base of the window was still below your armpit. And I'm, you know, I'm five, seven, so I'm a small guy. So, but now it seems all your, the base of your side windows are all shoulder height. If you want to put your arm out a window, you got to reach up and over and it's, but all that stuff kind of, I guess, trickles down to, and, I guess they were talking about Ralph Nader. Have you ever read on safe at any speed? Has any of our listeners read on safe at any speed? I would hope you've read it, John. I have not. And I'm thinking, and this, what kind of automotive historian are you? I felt fine because Ferris said he had never read it either. So, and he's at, he's right now reading it. So granted, I should, I should probably honestly reread it. It's been many, 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 many years since I've read it. Um, so, and, and to me, it never hurts to, to reread books because of course you forget things. Um, you don't pick up everything that was in a book and remember it the first time around. So, um, you know, that's, that's one thing with unsafe at any speed because it, it so often people just remember the Corvair portion, right? They remember, Oh, the wheel falls off the Corvair in a sharp turn and the Corvair is so unsafe. Well, he really picked on the Corvair a lot for a lot of reasons but that wasn't the only thing he was calling out in that book yeah i mean he called out all of the safety standard issues um that were in the automobile time and here's the thing you know it's unfortunate that that gm got into such a fight with ralph nader over that book because they fixed the problem with the corvair and really after they fixed the problem with the rear axle it was a fantastic car. Um, it no longer had the rear axle issue. Um, it, it was really a, a quality built car, but they got so far into the legal battle with Nader. They basically had to kill the car because it was looking so bad for them. Yeah. Yeah, but now it's plastic chrome, Jason. It's not real chrome anymore, and everything else is soft. I think, why can't we come up with something new for for dashboards? You know, I don't know. I guess you, we did. Even, it's, you, it's called it's called iPads. They just mount <laughs> them in the center of the dashboard. Yeah, our, our dashboards are now all glass. There's no no chrome or anything. You know, I've got faux carbon fiber you know, from mini in there. I don't think it's real carbon fiber panels and, but it's still got some Chrome trim, et cetera. Wood. Um, who was it that just did a wood dash? Um, that was odd. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure like Rolls Royce and yeah. Bentley and all that still carry like a wood dash and wood trim, true real wood. Yeah, I can't remember. It's it was one of those companies that you never thought would really think, and you know they went ahead and did Daewoo. real wood for a dash. Daewoo, uh, Infinity. I don't think Daewoo exists. In yeah, they don't. I'm just throwing out stupid names. But that would be a good reason why they do it because they don't exist anymore, and you'd never think they would do it. Yeah, I should. Sorry, listeners, I'm talking to Derek right now. I really should send you to the link for that Farrah show. You know, Matt Farrah was on our show, and if I look it up, I can tell you. But um, I wasn't they, on that episode. Huh? I wasn't here for the Matt Farrah thing. Oh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, uh, as I recall, it probably would have been a bad thing had I been here. So, yeah, you know, we had a conversation about another guest like that earlier mm -hmm. or proposed guest oh let's see here matt farah smoking tires with matt farah episode 133 if you want to go back and take a listen to uh uh sean and i talking to matt and before matt we really had a strict no cussing policy and matt said how's that working for you now we just kind of have a casual no cussing policy um, but uh, that episode with Donald Osborne, he had just got back from the Auburnge or whatever. They did a tour. Drain. Uh, Drain. Yes. They just did a tour that's kind of supposed to be like the London to Brighton run, but they expanded the model years so that it could be affordable. You didn't have to have these over the top expensive things. And so and they that it's not anything like the London to Brighton run. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, basically. The funny thing is there's already one of those in the U.S. It's called the New London to New Brighton run. And it is nearly identical to the London to Brighton run with the same vintage of cars. They go from New London to New Brighton. Well, see, the idea behind this and the why they expanded it is they're – the cars that are eligible from the, the London to Brighton run or the new London to new Brighton run have a very premium price tag. And they want to get, again, it's expanding the car hobby. They want to get more people into the car hobby. So they, I think they went up to 08 or something. It's just a couple, oh, couple of years. Wow. They went up to 08. Yeah. Cause those cars are affordable too. Well, they're more affordable than, uh, no, I can't remember not. what. <laughs> no, they're not. They're all in the same price range. Once you're in the the horseless carriage era, there is very there are very few affordable brass era or horseless carriage automobiles. They bring a pre Model T is going to be about the cheapest car you can get. Maybe something like a brush. Um, yeah, it's it's. To me, that's a marketing ploy. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna bring the years up a couple of years to get more people involved. Well, yes, okay. There are a few more people if you go up to nineteen oh eight that have those cars. They are still not cheap cars. Well, they are less expensive, but and there you I'm go. Trying, Toby, trying to Toby, to. Toby nailed it as well. They expanded it because there aren't enough cars that early to to fill up the event. Well. They got into a portion of the conversation of the number of young people 
um, 18, 22-year-olds that are into those cars. I mean, we're not talking thousands, but there's a big, there's a contingent, at least according to Donald. And they're talking of trying to figure out, and they might add a Model T category for people like under 25. So they can participate a lot. I know there's, I guess, a lot of people under 25 with Model Ts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of thought that was, you know, a neat thing. It's a way to get, and I don't care. Um, it's a way to get people doing this stuff. And it's you know, it's a way to actually maybe, you know, probably the idea is a bunch of old guys are sitting around going, damn, we got these T's, we got these, you know, whatever, you know, 09 Buicks and whatever. Who's going to buy them off of us? We need to make the youth want these cars again. And they really got into discussion of um, car collecting and that. Maybe I should reach out to Donald. He said he's doing a book on um, how car collecting began. And he thought he said he, he said he could knock it out really quick. And he didn't all of a sudden realized um, there's a lot to this. And it's not as simple. And it's been a multi-year thing. And he thinks there's a couple more years, um, you know, because he thought car collecting began after World War II and then found out it was a little bit before World War II. And he found out, ooh, it began in the 20s. No, it began a little bit earlier than that. And, you know, it's trying to keep these cars alive. And early car collecting was to keep the cars running and active. So it wasn't about making them all pristine and factory perfect and that it was keeping them on the road and keeping them used. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rich would get their car and they would drive it and a new one would come out and they put the old one in the basement or the barn and however that works. But like I said, it it was a really good episode. It was one of the most recent ones with Farah and real good discussion on brass era cars and this new run and Farah got to do it in a, I want to say it was an O2 Packard or something. Packards go back that far. Uh, yes. Yes, they do. It was like, it went like two, like two miles an hour. <laughs> and, you know, Farrah, somebody didn't know how to drive it. Well, Farah had never driven, you know, probably anything older than, you know, I would say muscle car era, but I don't know. But, you know, it was not very, not very, very fast, but he enjoyed it and he wants to come back. And then they got talking about doing a um, uh, brass era electric car run. And the, the discussion is how long do you make it? Because we know it'll go 30 miles one way, but then how do we get it charged to go 30 miles the other way? Uh, you know, and, and it's not going to be a, um, you know, a lunch stop or whatever. But just, just like I said, it was a good, good thought process, a good thing. Um, you know, Adam Martin and I have talked about trying to develop a tour, and I probably should get back on him about it because our initial conversations were just prior to March of 2020, and things have kind of I think things are getting back to where we can start talking about that stuff again, just to get people involved on something that's a little bit more middle class, affordable. Heck yeah. Hey, I'm just happy that pretty soon I'm going to have a finally have the brass era car that's going to be able to go on tours. So that's what I'm waiting for. Then you'll see me all over the place. (laughs) Really slow, though. 
So you, you get a, if I'm going slow, you get a better look at me. Say, um, cause you, I guess you could tow it behind the Arcadia, can't you? Uh, if it was an open trailer, yeah. And it's a Acadia, John, Acadia, like the national park. Yeah. I, I, you yeah. know me. I why would I tow it? Why wouldn't I just drive it? Well, if you're going to be taking yeah. it everywhere, you know, you might want to leave now to get it to California. <laughs> so makes it more fun. Woo-hoo. Oh, there was something else I wanted to talk about tonight. I told you before the show and I still can't remember it. But we've yeah, covered a lot of things. We've talked about the impossible. Yeah. Um, well, you know what's not impossible? Oh, we're going to have a big electric car show coming up, Jason. I'm, I'm scheduling a guest. Very mm-hmm. controversial, man. I could say very active in social media. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was the best freaking thing he, you have, you, have done. You've been friends with him for years, and you're just finally getting him on the show. I mean, come on. Well, I was waiting for him to develop his own social media platform. No, he just bought into it. Well, he weighed the options. That's true. I mean, there's a and, lot and of people. He, he, he realized that starting your own platform can fail miserably, such as other people have recently shown us. Um, of course he is, Jason. He's marketing. I guess I'm going to close it with this is I'm for, for some crazy reason, I, I guess I'm a masochist or something. I've been watching the new uh, MacGyver and season five, episode 13. They uh, have to go rescue a Bizzarini and trying to find this mafia guy or whatever, and it was hidden in Italy, and it popped up on, um, they never said, but it popped up for sale for 500 euro. So, you know, we had a race over to get it, and this other, as just as they got there, they were the first people, and it was a great deal at 500 euro. So Americans could find it, get called into the office, get on a plane, fly over to Italy, drive to the back country of Italy to buy this Bizzarini for 500 euro. Just at the same time, just as the deal was being closed, one of the mobster guys gets out of a car, pulls up and gets out and offers a thousand euro, blah, blah, blah. And it sells for 10,000 euro. All I can say is it's one of those horrible, 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 horrible early seventies Volkswagen base kit cars. <laughs> And it doesn't resemble a Bizzarini in any way, shape, or form. It, I would imagine the hole in the floor um, was um, probably the VW floor pan was rusted out because, you know, Mac reaches under and undoes the drain plug and puts the oil slick down and crashes the Range Rover that was chasing them and all this other fun stuff. But I just wanted to say, if you want to see a horrible stunt double or whatever, not once does a real Bizzarini appear in this thing. But 
Um, and 500 euro would be way too much to pay for this kit car. So, but that, that's my off track. But and if uh, you want to see two real Bitzerinis that are in the U.S. right now, come visit me at my last two days on the job at National Corvette Museum and see a Bitzerini Strada, the one that was actually in uh, Herbie the Love Bug and. Um, the original Gone in 60 Seconds, and the only Bizzarini Open Wheel Racer, the uh, Monoposto Prototipi. Um, they're both on display right now at the Corvette Museum. Why? Because they both have small block Chevy Corvette engines in them. And you can just, you know, wish me good luck on my last yeah, two days. I guess next time Derek's on, Derek will be a... Uh... Will you have start? Do you start your job on Monday, or do you get a week off between them? I am starting on Monday, so taking the weekend off. Derek will be a completely new, different person. I started my new one last Monday. You started your your new one this coming Monday. I don't think Will's changing jobs. I don't think Sean ever had a job. <laughs> oh, ouch, ouch. <laughs> yeah, oops, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had other things going on, so I didn't. I didn't want to reach out to you and explain that to you. So, we made the announcement last week on the show um, that I have uh, accepted the position of curator of collections for the Lane Motor Museum in Nashville, Tennessee, um, for uh, for a, a kind of a career change and um, better work life balance and spend more time uh, here with the family at home. So. Um, yeah, if you're ever in uh, Nashville, come see me at, uh, the Lane Motor Museum. And we'll always have friends at the, uh, Corvette Museum, Mr. Uh, Bob Bubness, my curator of collections at the Corvette Museum, just commented, so. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting, we're going to give Phil a second to finish off his, um. Yeah, Phil's really holding this out. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm from... Nashville. <laughs> and he spelled it out individual letters. Check it out on the no, no. he's he's posting to Facebook. In 96 so, point font. <laughs> yeah. So, uh no com. Check everything out. Remember you can go to no drivinggloves.com slash call us and you can leave us a voice message if you want to tell us something and want to have your voice on the show. Uh we'll pop you up if it's worthwhile. Um I don't know where Will is. He just said he was at a show. You know where to find Derek. I'm all over the, all over Alabama now, but I don't play with cars during the new job. But we're putting some stuff together. You can, like I said, you can find us on nodrivinggloves.com, links to all the social media, links to everything. Videos are there. Um, episodes are there. Like I said, the, the audio episodes are catching up and catching up and catching up. Um, Maybe we'll get caught up. Uh, we've got an announcement coming up that we're going to partner with uh, a big local car show that happens. Um, I think they're doing it. Well, happens in the fall. I'm not even going to narrow it down to that. In support of a great institution, uh, we should start talking about that. We might talk a little bit about that next week. Don't know. Still crossing some T's and dotting some I's. But till next week. You good, Derek? I'm good. See you guys later. Yep. Good luck, Phil. Good luck, Derek. Have fun, Will. I'm out of here. 
Save. Where's that in button? There's click it. Click it. Click 